Amen, church. All right. Hey, go ahead and open up to uh, Matthew chapter 21 this morning. That's where we're going to be. Really, really, really excited that you're here this morning. Uh, As we start this new series called Fearless, we're going to be looking at uh, the last week of Jesus' life leading up to um, Easter time. And just really excited about this season for our church. I want to remind you that we're asking you to invite your friends and your neighbors to join us on this journey as, as we try to live like Jesus, live fearlessly. I really hope that you'll be inviting people to join us. Matthew chapter 21 this morning. Uh, so if some point last year you happened to uh, walk into the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, Uh, Well, first of all, I would know that you're probably a tourist, okay, because everyone knows that very cultured people, the true fans of the largest art museum in the country, they don't call it the Metropolitan Museum of Art. What do they call it? The Met. Yeah, we're going to be very cultured and artistic today, so let's go ahead and train ourselves in the ways of culture and uh, we'll call it the Met, okay? So last year, if you were to walk into the Met, you would have seen one of their featured exhibits called Unfinished. It featured a whole host of paintings from some of the most famous painters across time in the world. But the catch was that none of the paintings were complete. They were all unfinished. So some of them didn't have any color. Some of them weren't completely filled in. Some of them were at the very beginnings of their creation, like the very bare bones stage. And this, the, the question that this exhibit was trying to ask was a question that maybe you've asked before if you've ever created something. At what point is a creation complete? At what point am I done, you know? At what point am I able to, am I able to just, just step away, step back, and say, all right, I'm done with this. This represents what I can do, represents who I am. I'm sure maybe you've asked that question before if you've ever created anything. I mean, maybe it's been a sculpture or a painting, or maybe you've written some poetry or a song, or maybe you just refinished that piece of furniture in your garage. But at some point you asked, is this finished? Let me read some of the reviews of the exhibit so you get an idea of how excited people were about this thing. Uh, The New Yorker said that the show is a nonstop sequence of arousals and exhilarations. The Boston Globe called it as philosophically rich as it is aesthetically rewarding. The New York Times said that it illuminates the process of both making and looking at art in remarkable ways. All right, I've looked at some of these pieces. I've read, I've read these reviews, and I thought it would be appropriate for me to offer my own review. So here is Brent Hall, art critic, review of unfinished exhibit at the Met. What's the point? Why would you go and see an exhibit full of unfinished paintings? Like, this isn't what they're supposed to be. And that's all I can think about whenever I see some of these paintings is like, man, this is not what the painter had in mind. All I can think about is what what was in their head? What, What was in their imagination? What did they want to see take place on this canvas? And then I see the canvas and see that it's not what it's supposed to be. That's all I can see. 
And I sometimes have a, a similar reaction whenever I read our story from Scripture this morning, from Matthew chapter 21. So go ahead and open up, open up your books, uh, or your phones, whatever you need to do, or it will be on the screen as well. But let me give you a little bit of a background before we start reading. Uh, Jesus has just entered the central city for the Jewish people, Jerusalem, okay? We'll look at that a little bit later on in our series. But here in this scene, he's about to enter the temple, which is the central place of worship for the Jewish people. And when he enters the temple, things are going to get crazy quick, okay? So you better fasten your seatbelts, because here we go. Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. I told you it got quick. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Uh, so there, there are lots of different interpretations and discussions that sort of surround this text and, and what Jesus is doing. But there's one thought that I can't get out of my head when I read this text. This is not the way the temple was supposed to be. Okay, so we're going to return to this story a little bit later on. But, but first I want us to get an idea of what the temple was supposed to be. There's a place elsewhere in the Bible, in the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah records God's hope for the temple. This is what the temple was supposed to be, okay? So this is from Isaiah chapter 56. Suppose outsiders want to follow me and serve me. They want to love me and worship me. They keep the Sabbath day and they do not misuse it. And they're faithful in keeping my covenant. Then I'll bring them to my holy mountain of Zion. That's the temple. I'll give them joy in my house. They can pray there. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices on my altar. My house will be called a house where people from all nations can pray. And the temple was supposed to be a place where people from all ethnicities, from all backgrounds, regardless of your skin or your social standing or your status, they could all come and worship the Lord God Almighty. It was supposed to be a place where the oppressed could find empowerment, where the repressed could find belonging, where the depressed could find joy. And instead, when we see this scene in chapter 21, we see that instead of singers, we have sellers, Instead of God seekers, we've got shopkeepers. And all I can think is that this is not the way the temple was supposed to be. And man, I sometimes have a similar reaction when I look at the world. You know? I, have a, a, I try to have a biblically informed worldview. And so when I read in the Bible that, that God created everything, Everything around me was created by God and he called it all good. That all of creation, the world was supposed to be a reflection, a revelation of God's beauty. And then I read the news and I see war and oppression and slavery and ecological mismanagement and in poverty and inequality and injustice. 
And all I can think is that this is not the way the world was supposed to be. I sometimes have a, a similar reaction when I look at the church. You know, this place that's supposed to be an embodiment of God's goodness and grace in the world. You know, it's called a body because that's how it's supposed to function. Everyone giving of themselves, this self-giving love. It's supposed to be defined by unity and love and grace and love and mercy and love. And then I hear these stories from people that have been deeply wounded by the church. Because instead of experiencing goodness or grace, they experience a lot more grief and guilt than God. And some of them have since left the church. And all I can think is that this is not the way the church was supposed to be. And you know, sometimes I, I have a similar reaction when I look at myself. When I realize that I'm supposed to be a priest and a representative, that I have been made in the very image of God, that my life has been bought with a price that I should be defined by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control, and I can't even remember all the fruits of the Spirit. And I'm appalled at how quickly my reactions with people, I, I can become angry and spiteful and prideful and how my life is probably defined more by fear than by faith and by despair than by hope and by selfishness than by love. And all I can think is that this is not the way I'm supposed to be. Sorry. Be a bit of a Debbie Downer this morning. But do you ever have those moments, right, where, where all you can think, when you look at the world, when you look at the church, when you look at yourself, this is not the way things are supposed to be. I think we're just acknowledging the fact that, that, that sometimes, sometimes all we can see is that what should be doesn't match what is. You know, sometimes it, it plagues us, sometimes it, it paralyzes us, but all we can see is that things aren't the way they're supposed to be. All right, so that's, that's the bad news. <laughs> that's our bad news for the morning. But man, there is some really, really good news. Do we want some good news? Well, I've already admitted that I'm not much of a cultured guy. I'm not super artistic, but I have some cultural leanings, some tendencies. And I've been super intrigued and fascinated recently by the art of pottery. I, uh, I think one reason for that is because of Instagram. I follow a guy on Instagram. I want you to see one of his videos here as I'm describing who he is. This is a guy named Eric Landon. His Instagram account is Tortoise Copenhagen. I would strongly encourage you to go watch him because uh, he puts all these videos up of him uh, doing 
pottery. He's a world-class potter, and now he's a world-famous potter because of Instagram. That's how I know who he is, following him on there. And I love following him. He's one of my favorite accounts to follow because it's just, it's mesmerizing to watch him, right? It's just fascinating. It's beautiful to watch this transformation take place because there is a transformation because there's always this moment at the beginning where I'm like, you know, I, I know that's supposed to be a piece of pottery, but all I see right now is a lump of brown mush, right? So there's a scene similar to that in the Bible where the prophet Jeremiah is told to go down and watch uh, his current day Eric Landon. He's supposed to go down to the potter's house and watch the potter do his work at the wheel. And this is Jeremiah's experience. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his wheel and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. So Jeremiah sees this this mush in the potter's hand and he says, you know, that's not the way that's supposed to be. And all he can see is this lump of spoiled clay. But the scene continues. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. You know, so there's this moment where, where Jeremiah, all he can see is this lump of spoiled clay. All he can see is that this piece of clay is not what it's supposed to, do, supposed to be. But in that moment, the potter is already thinking ahead, isn't he? He doesn't just see this lump of spoiled clay, but he's thinking ahead to what that lump of clay could be. He's thinking about what masterpiece he could make. What priceless piece of pottery can he make from this piece of clay? And that's the good news. So Jeremiah's experience is, uh, is explained to him by God himself. And this is the way that God uh, explains the scene to Jeremiah. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. This potter that doesn't just see a lump of spoiled clay in front of him, that doesn't just see the way that this lump of clay isn't what it's supposed to be, but sees beyond to what this lump of clay could become, that potter, the good news is that that potter is God. Which means that even when all we can see in the world is a lump of spoiled clay, when all we can see in the world is unmet expectations or unfulfilled plans, when all we can see in the world is that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be, when all we can see is that what should be doesn't match what is, God sees what could be. God sees potential. God sees a treasure. God sees what could be. Like clay in the potter's hand, so you are. In my hand. Which means that when we return to our our scene in Matthew and we see Jesus in the temple, in this unfinished temple, we can be very sure that he notices that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be, right? We can be very sure that he sees that things aren't the way that they should be. And he is angry which means that it's okay 
to be upset and to lament when we see that the world is not the way that it's supposed to be. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't just see a lump of spoiled clay in his hands. He doesn't just see failure or breakdown or loss. With the very eyes of God, Jesus sees potential. He sees beauty. He sees hope. He doesn't just see a lump of spoiled clay. He sees what that lump of clay could be. You know, what, what could the temple be if Gentiles came back in, if God seekers felt like they could come back in and worship God? What could the temple be if the blind and the lame came back in, if the oppressed and the marginalized felt like they had a place to belong here with us? What could the temple be if a bunch of kids just came in and started singing at the top of their lungs? What could it be? And it reminds me of another pretty famous artist. His name is Michelangelo. Maybe you've heard of him before. One of the most famous artists in human history. The man was brilliant. And he walked around with these kinds of eyes, always seeing hope, always seeing potential. Even in the midst of dark times, he didn't just see a lump of spoiled clay. He saw what that piece of clay could become. He had a great way of explaining how he saw the world. One of his most famous pieces of art was the statue of David, right? Have you seen this before? Enormous statue of David. And there's this great story about someone asking Michelangelo how he came to sculpt this incredible statue of David out of just a measly piece of stone. And this is Michelangelo's response. I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. Michelangelo saw something unfinished before him, but saw past the lump of spoiled clay to what it could become. And this is really the way that Michelangelo tried to live his life, because he also said this later on, that every block of stone, every unfinished, unmet expectation, unfulfilled plan, every block of stone has a statue inside it. And it's the task of the sculptor to discover it. Seeing the extraordinary within the ordinary. Those are Jesus' eyes, you know? Eyes that don't only see things unfinished or as they are, but sees things as they could be. Like clay in the potter's hand. So you are in my hand. Here's my guess. Uh, there are people and places and situations in your life that here on a pretty regular basis that they're not what or how they're supposed to be. That's a pretty consistent message in our day. This is not the way things are supposed to be. But what if, what if we tried to develop eyes like Jesus? Eyes that saw things for what they could be. What if instead of being just another voice that points out what's wrong or unfinished 
or incomplete. We tried to develop eyes that were able to see what might be, what could be. You know, what if, what if whenever your kid walks in with maybe a little bit less than stellar grade or a poor performance in sports or a missed note or a missed step, what if you spoke hope and belief and potential into their life? What if one of your friends is just bombarded with dashed dreams and unmet expectations and unfulfilled plans? What if in that moment you spoke hope and belief and potential? What if when the world is consumed with what's wrong, with what's messed up, with what's unfinished, we could nod in agreement and we could say, yeah, but what if? You know, or, or can you imagine if? Or man, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if? I believe that Jesus found ways to cultivate what could be. And so can we. Like clay in the potter's hand, that's what the world is in God's hand. Like clay in the potter's hand, that's what the church, that's what this church is in God's hand. Like clay in the potter's hand. That's what each of you are in God's hand. You've got potential. You've got hope. There's something really cool that happens when we start to live this way, when we start to try to cultivate and see and imagine what could be. There's actually something kind of divine that happens. You know, earlier we, we looked at a place in the Bible that described how the temple was supposed to be, you know, how worship was supposed to be. Well, there's another place in the Bible that describes the, the, the temple or, or worship as it will be sometime in the future. The book of Revelation, the, the author gives us picture after picture of every creature, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and under the sea, all singing blessing and honor and glory and power to the Lord God. Gives us picture after picture of people from every nation, from every language and tribe and people, everyone singing praises to God, standing before the throne of God. Now let me ask you something. In Matthew 21, when Jesus clears the temple, what happens? These Gentiles start coming into the temple. These foreigners start coming into the temple to worship God. The blind and the lame start coming into the temple. These people who see the world a bit differently than, than some of us do, but see it with so much more purity and beauty than we do. These little kids start coming into the temple and start singing at the top of their lungs. The nerve. What does that sound like? Doesn't it sound just a little bit like Revelation? I mean, it's, it's not quite. But it's a glimpse. And I think that's what happens when we try our best to cultivate what could be. When we try and cultivate what could be, 
we just might get a glimpse of what will be. And really, that's what we're trying to do here at Highland with our own little unfinished project. Highland's what we're trying to get you to invite your friends and your neighbors to. If this is your first time here with us or first couple of times here with us, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. I hope that you'll continue to join us on this journey. And I also hope that you know that at any point in the next few weeks, if you were to walk into this place, you would get to uh, witness and see our featured exhibit. It's called Unfinished. It's full of a whole lot of people that are all made by a pretty famous artist. But the catch is that none of them are complete. None of them are finished. We're not perfect. We're not finished. We're not what we should be. But man, we're trying our very best to imagine what we could be. We're trying our very best to see the world the way that God sees the world, full of hope and potential to see the world as it could be. And we're keeping our eyes open because we just might catch a glimpse of what will be. I really, really hope that you'll join us. Let's stand and sing. This is my desire.